Five years ago, I received a phone call that changed my life and my ministry. It was one of those calls that you never wanted to get as a student minister. And it led into probably the hardest season of my life in working in the church. But little did I know that during that difficult season of ministry, I got to see the real beauty of the church. But before I get too far into that, I just want to start with asking a simple question. What is the church? Maybe you grew up going to Sunday school or Bible school and you, you learned a little rhyme. He said, this is the church. This is the steeple. Open the door and see all the people. I see a bunch of you learned that. Who, who learned that growing up? Wow. Who, who, this is the first time you've ever heard that. Is this the first time you've ever heard that? A couple of y'all? Okay. You bet you didn't think you were going to learn something in church today. Well, there you go. You got the little nursery rhyme. Well, really, that's what a lot of us think when we think of the church. We think of, let me get my hands right, you think of the building with the steeple and you open the doors and all the people are inside the church building. But the Bible talks about the church in a different way. It's more than just the four walls here on Walnut Street. You know, I heard a story one time of a vacation Bible school teacher that wanted to teach her class that, that little nursery rhyme. And as she began teaching it, she realized it, it just didn't dawn on her beforehand that one of the little boys in her class only had one arm. So she felt horrible. She, she couldn't believe that she had made such a mistake, and she didn't want the little boy to feel singled out until she saw another little girl in the class. She scooted over in her chair right next to the little boy, and she said, Josh, let's build the church together. And you know, I think that's really a better illustration of what the church is. People building the church together. Because it's not just a building with four walls. It's not just located right here in Hartford. There's the church all around the world. And it's groups of believers working together to build the church. Our main text this morning is from Acts chapter 2, beginning in verse 42. Now this is a, a pretty common and popular verse when it talks about the church, because this is where we really see the early church after Peter had preached the first gospel message and, and 3,000 people gave their lives to Christ. We see this verse, these, this series of verses talk about what that early church looked like. So if you would turn to Acts chapter 2, verse 42, it'll also be on the screen you'd like to follow along. It says that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many signs and wonders performed by the apostles. And all the believers were together and they had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had a need. And every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts they broke bread in their homes, and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. The first point that I just want to make this morning, the first truth that I hope you take, is that simply this, you are meant to be in Christian community. 
God designed the church to be that way. They met together daily, and it was through that community that more and more people were being saved. Five years ago, this past Friday, Friday the 13th, January 13th, 2012, I received that phone call. It's from my friend Rick. Now, Rick was our longtime high school Sunday school teacher. He loved the student ministry. He'd done it for years and years. Now, Rick had two boys and two nephews, but those four were all just a few years apart, and they were like brothers, as close as cousins could be. Now, Rick was also a delivery truck driver, and the phone call came at 1048 at night. I knew that Rick usually got up about 3 or 4 in the morning to get to work. He did not stay up late. And so as I looked down at my phone at 1048 on Friday the 13th of January, I knew something was wrong. I just didn't know how right I was when I answered that call. What does it look like to be a member of the church? The Bible uses several beautiful illustrations for the church that I want us to look at here this morning. The first one actually is a building on a foundation. Well, you might say, wait a minute, you just spent the first part of your whole introduction saying that the church is not a building. But when the Bible talks about the church being a building, it's speaking of a spiritual building, a spiritual temple that God builds with Christ as being the foundational cornerstone. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19 says, Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but you are fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together, and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him you too are being built together to become a dwelling place in which God dwells. So the image that we receive from Scripture is that God is the master builder. And each member of his church is like a brick that he lays and he places and he builds up his holy temple through church membership. There's a couple of Greek words that are used in the New Testament to describe the church. The first one is the word ekklesia. It's where we get the word ecclesiastical from. And in general terms, it means a gathering of citizens called out of their homes into some public place, an assembly. Kind of like us sitting here this morning. You all are called out of your homes and you're assembled here today. In the Christian sense, it's an assembly of Christians gathered for the purpose of worshiping together. It could be those anywhere in any city, in any country, that are gathered together for this purpose. It is the church worldwide. So as we gather to worship this morning, we are actually united with Christians all across the world in this act. The word ekklesia actually is a combination of two Greek words that literally mean the called out ones. So if you're a member of Christ's church, Christ has called you out of the world and he is building you into his holy temple. 
You might say a building, that doesn't sound very personal. That, that sounds kind of cold. But the church is not cold. The church is far from that. Acts chapter 2, members said that the believers were together and they had everything in common. They sold their property and their possessions so that if anyone had a need, it was met. There was love there. And so the other Greek word that we look at is the word koinonia, which means a fellowship, an association, community, communion, joint participation. It's the sharing together by participation through fellowship and shared intimacy. It can also be defined, I love this, as a gift jointly contributed love that image of the church, that the church is actually a gift that we all contribute to, God's gift to the world. Salvation comes through the message of the gospel that the church proclaims. See, church members are joined together to share life together. They meet physical, emotional, and spiritual needs and the Christian community speaks to that desire that every one of us has. See, each one of us here today has the desire to know and to be known, to love and to be loved. And when you find membership in Christ Church, it's more than just joining a gym or a country club. It is an offer to be a part of real community where lives are shared together. It is a privilege. It is a gift you become a member of the body of Christ. 1 Corinthians 12, beginning in verse 12, says, Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all of its parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized into one spirit, so as to form one body. Whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, it doesn't matter. We were all given one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but many. I got to thinking about this, and this is kind of a silly illustration of it, but it, it's, the, it's the thing that I think of when it's basketball season. And many of you know that I'm a University of Louisville fan. Our preacher, Mikey, is a Duke fan. They played this weekend. He's not here, so I won't hassle him. <laughs> but, and you all, many of you, not all, but many, are Kentucky fans. And yet, the bitter, the bitter rivalry of basketball season can be put aside because we are all here as one in Christ. We're all members of Christ's church, of the body. Each person is like a different part. And each one of us works together to build up the body and support Christ as the head. So it's 10.48 p.m. I answer Rick's call. The youngest of his nephews, Austin, 16 years old, had just been in a car accident. It was January 13th. A fresh snow had fallen. The roads were icy. 
And Austin was driving a back road, back country road, trying to get to a friend's house. Get to the hospital quickly, Rick said. In a strange combination of just matter-of-fact urgency. It doesn't look good. First Corinthians 12, verse 26 and 27 says, If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. When one part suffers, the whole body suffers. That's Christian community. You share one another's burdens. You lift up one another in difficult times. Who here today, just a quick show of hands, can say that the church has helped you through a difficult time in your life? Would you raise your hand? Amen. That's community. It is an honor and a privilege to be a member of the church of Christ Church Universal. The Bible says that God is the one who adds members to his church, and you do so by putting your faith in Jesus Christ. When you present your faith to him by repenting of your sin, confessing him as Lord, and being baptized for forgiveness, God accepts you as his child and places you, like that bricklayer places bricks, into his church. You are a follower of Christ, and he adopts you as his child. But to be a member of the local church, the church here in Hartford, Kentucky, means you are making a public commitment to use your gifts, your talents, your experience to build Christ's church here in this community. You're committing to share one another's joys and their burdens, their hardships and their victories. There's one more Greek word I want to look at, and this one is usually not used in reference to the church. It's not translated church, but it's an important one. It's the Greek word diatribo, and it literally means to rub between, to spend time with, to pass time, or remain. That's so it's kind of kind of weird. Why are we talking about rubbing together? Because the image there is so much deeper than just hanging out. So much deeper than just chatting or shooting the breeze or wasting time or just hanging out together. No, the image here is of lives so closely intermingled that you rub together and you are sharing life's burdens together. It's used several times in Scripture, but I just want to highlight three of them to you. The first one is in John chapter 3, verse 22. After this, Jesus and his disciples went out to the Judean countryside where he spent some time with them and baptized. Spent some time with. Rubbed together. Acts 14, 3. So Paul and Barnabas spent considerable time there, speaking boldly for the Lord, who confirmed the message of his grace by enabling them to perform signs and wonders. 
rubbed lives together. In Acts 15.35, But Paul and Barnabas remained in Antioch, where they and many others taught and preached the word of the Lord. When you translate that word, remained, it just seems kind of common. But when you think about the deeper meaning, that they were actually spending life together, sharing life together, rubbing their lives together, they were spending it as one. Look at that first verse again, John 3.22, and then compare that to Acts 4.13. John 3.22, one more time, said, Now after this, Jesus and his disciples went to the Judean countryside where he spent some time with them. And Acts 4.13 says that when they saw the courage of Peter and John, they realized they were unschooled, ordinary men, and they were astonished and took note that what? These men had been with Jesus. That is Christian community. Rubbing your lives together, investing in one another's life, pouring into mentoring, sharing life together, breaking down those barriers, we want a church where lives rub together. We want to be that church at Hartford Christian where we are sharing the joys and the pain together. That's why we encourage you to place your membership here if you're not already a member of another church. That's why we're pushing our emphasis to be involved in Sunday school next month because that is where we really build those Christian relationships. It's in that context of a smaller group you know all the commands of Jesus, all the commands in Scripture, the one another commands? They can only be fulfilled in a community group, a small group, a group of believers joined together. Commands like love one another, pray for one another, bear one another's burdens, build up one another, accept one another, show Christian affection to one another, also known as the holy kiss, which we don't practice, but... Affection we do. Serve one another. Submit to one another. Teach one another. Encourage one another. Confess to one another. I misspoke. Janet practices the holy kiss. I get a hug and a kiss every Sunday from Janet. And I look forward to that because there's so much love in this place. I'm just curious. Those of you who said that the church was there for you during a difficult time, did that hope, you don't have to show your hand at this time, but did that hope, did that help, did it come from your Sunday school or your small group or your ladies' Bible study or your prayer group? I dare say that for most of us it did because that's where we built those relationships. Now the staff and the elders and the deacons, we, we all work hard trying to provide the pastoral care, but I dare say that it's in that context of that close community that those needs are really met and those one another commands can be fulfilled. Acts 2, 46 through 47. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved through the community. You don't gain that kind of depth just by attending a worship service on Sunday morning. Now, worship is important, 
And we're glad you're here this morning. But I want to challenge you that if you haven't gone deeper, to take that step. Join a Sunday school this next month. Find that community. Or if you haven't placed your membership here at our church, join in with the ministry here. Because that community is so important. And you never know when you're going to need it. So it was a few minutes after 11 on that Friday night when I got to the emergency room. As I walked in, the first person I saw was Austin's grandpa, Rick's dad. He was pacing back and forth outside of the emergency room doors. I walked up to him and I put my hand on his shoulder and he turned around and he just had this blank expression on his face. He grabbed a hold of me and he hugged me tight and he said, Scott, Austin didn't make it. I didn't want to believe him. 16 years old. Surely there was something that could be done. I got a picture. I think it's next. Austin's the one on the right there with the hair and the glasses. That's his older brother, Jason. Such a young man. It doesn't make sense. Why would this have to happen? That question would get asked over and over and over. Spent the rest of the night with his family. Reality sunk in as I saw his parents and his grandparents and his brother and his cousins and all of his family come. And then as word began to spread throughout the community through text message and social media, the, the high school just poured into that room, that emergency room. And we probably had 300 people there about one in the morning because Austin had made an impact on his school. He was the kind of kid that you just love to be around. He welcomed everybody. He wanted to be a friend to everybody and he wanted everyone to know the Lord. After his accident, the, his parents were going through his backpack and, and Austin had these stacks of note cards that he had handwritten Bible verses on, verses like Jeremiah 29, 11, that he was taking and sliding into the lockers anonymously of the kids in his school. He wanted to be an encouragement to them. He was active in our church. He was involved in Sunday school. He was in the student ministry. He even volunteered with the kids. He loved working with little kids. He loved my kids. His death affected so many teenagers in our community that several churches decided that we were going to have a worship service that Sunday, five years ago today. And we were going to have a time where you could pray and you could cry and you could ask questions and you could just worship God in the midst of this tragedy. And his brother Jason, the one there on the left, actually spoke two days after this accident. And Jason, with tears in his eyes, preached the gospel. And he pointed every teenager in that room and every parent and every adult there too to Jesus because he said that is what Austin would have wanted. He was passionate about his friends knowing the Lord. 
The next day, we had Austin's Celebration of Life service at our church. Now, our church was about the same size as this here. Uh, it could hold about 400 people in the auditorium. 1,300 showed up from that community. We didn't get started till three hours later because the family all wanted to see every person that came through. And, you know, I'd spent time with the family all weekend, and it, it was hard. I mean, I'm not, I mean, if you've been through tragedy, you know. And his parents, they refused to eat. They refused to rest. They refused to be comforted, as many people, when they deal with that kind of tragedy, do. But as we went through his celebration of life service, something miraculous happened. As we were preaching the gospel and we were sharing stories about Austin and we were singing some of his favorite worship songs through the tears and through the pain, an amazing worship service broke out. And I told his, his cousin and his family, I said, I've never been a part of such a worship service like this. And afterwards, it was probably 11 o'clock that evening, we were all down in the church fellowship hall eating together. And I saw smiles on his parents' faces through the tears as they shared stories about Austin. And we talked about the impact that he had made. I knew that God had begun healing through that Christian community, through the worship that we shared together, through the hugs and the tears, through sharing life together, being rubbed together in a community. You see, when you're a part of the local church, when you commit to the local church, you meet a need in that community. The church was there for Austin's family that night. Now, I've spent a lot of time talking about why you should be in a Christian community, a smaller community like a Sunday school. But I also want to say there's something you have to offer too. God has given you experiences, gifts, and passions that he wants to use in his church. It's no coincidence that you're here this morning. I believe that God wants to use you in his church. Acts 4 verse 32 says, All the believers were of one heart and one mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. And with great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them. And they were, there was no one who was needy among them. From time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them and brought the money to the apostles' feet so that it was distributed to anyone who has need. Christian community, the church of the New Testament, the church of Jesus Christ, meets needs. Physical, spiritual, and emotional needs. Now, I know that there's a lot of people that have bad things to say about the church. You say, well, the church is full of hypocrites, or the church just wants your money, or the church is uh, too legalistic, is not accepting. Maybe you're here this morning and you've been hurt by the church. I know I've been hurt. But I'm here to say this morning, I've seen the church at its best when it's sharing life together, when it's lifting up one another, when it's bringing the healing of God through a hardship. And that's the community that I want 
for Hartford Christian Church. That's the community that I believe is here at Hartford Christian Church. And that's the community I want for each one of you to be a part of. One last benefit to having that type of close community where lives are rubbing together is because you can have absolute assurance that your relationships will last for eternity. 1 Thessalonians 4.13 says, Brothers and sisters, we don't want you to be uninformed about those who have fallen asleep in death so that you do not grieve as the rest of mankind who does not have hope. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again. And so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. Do you want to know what my last memory of Austin was? The last time I saw him was about a week and a half before his accident. And Austin, myself, and one of his cousins were sitting down in his cousin's house having a Bible study. We were asking questions. We were reading the word of God. We were praying together so that I know without a shadow of a doubt that Austin went to be with the Lord. And I have a hope that someday I'm going to see him again. Do you have that hope this morning? I took a picture this last weekend at TCTC. I took a lot of pictures. If you've seen my Facebook, I shared a whole lot. But this one is special to me. This is me, of course, on the left. Or, yeah, on the left. You, you can tell. And uh, next to me is a former student of mine named Matt. Now, what you probably can't see is that Matt's wearing a, a cross necklace. It says, Austin is love, and has Austin's soccer number and praying hands, because Austin loved to draw praying hands on it. Austin was, or, I'm sorry, Matt was an eighth grader in our student ministry when Austin's accident happened. He looked up to Austin. Austin inspired him to commit his life to Christ. We heard story after story about the people in Austin's life that over the next weeks and months that gave their lives to the Lord, and Matt's one of them. He was baptized at our church a couple of weeks later, and he took on the challenge to be a Christian influence in his school, in our church, and the community. So he started inviting people like crazy to church. He got involved in his FCA. He wanted to be like Austin because Austin wanted to be like Christ. And so Matt now is a student at Johnson University. He was working at TCTC. He was volunteering and he had committed his life to ministry. He's studying to be a preacher. I'm so proud of him. But you know what? That kind of impact can happen anywhere with people that are committed to investing in one another, to sharing life together, to rubbing lives together. God is the one who builds his church. But I believe that he has you here for a reason. God has given you each, as I've already said, gifts, talents, and experiences that are meant to strengthen one another and build one another up. I'm sure you can probably think of somebody in your life that inspired you in your faith. Someone you look back and you say, that person really meant a lot to me. What if you could be that person for someone else? There's at least one person in this world that needs you to be that person to them. Our lives are meant to be rubbed together. That can only happen in the community of the church through church membership, 
and through getting involved in a smaller community group. Will you take that challenge? Will you invest in what God's doing here at Hartford? Will you trust him to lead? Will you take that step, even if it's uncomfortable, and follow him?